This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I am the minister with the North Valley Church of Christ here in Cave Creek, Arizona. It is so good to be with you again today. Um, I've been kind of under the weather lately. I, I did a, the show last week, but I, I wasn't 100%. But I think this week, I think this week I'm doing a lot better. I'm I'm real uh, uh, thankful to the Lord for that. And anybody out there who said a prayer for me, thank you for your prayers. Some of us probably started some New Year's resolution and uh, have new goals in mind, uh, new pro- uh, thoughts on what we're going to get done for this year. And one of the biggest problems that we usually face in this sort of thing is a, a commitment to those goals. We, we lose our commitment. We, we place them pretty high priorities up there for ourselves, and we don't get them finished. Sometimes it's because we uh, overdo it. Other times because we're fearful of our commitment. And that's one of the things I want us to look at today. Uh, but before we get there, I want to encourage everybody out there who's listening, if you're listening on the Tuesday uh, afternoon show, which is our original air date, uh, we're also being aired Wednesday uh, morning, afternoon-ish, and, uh, or, or if you hear us any time throughout this week, we want to encourage you to, uh, uh, to tune in every week. It's, it's pretty consistent. It's consistent Tuesday at 4 p.m. But also, if you've missed a show or if you're curious about more about what we're, our operation here, Uh, I want you to go to our website, www.nvcoc.net, and on there you can find out everything about the North Valley Church of Christ here in Cave Creek. Uh, What we uh, uh, study in God's Word, we're trying and and striving to be the New Testament church. Uh, Some of the programs we have, (coughs) excuse me, uh, such as we've sent out the House to House, Heart to Heart, that's right there on the front page. We Many of the things we support, such as uh, what do the scriptures say, the work in Cayenta, a missionary such as Josh Austin, the Eastern European Mission, where they're putting Bibles in the public schools there in Ukraine, uh, as well as many other things. And there's also a link to our radio program right there on the front page. And I'll take you to a YouTube web page where we have all of our uh, t- uh, programs uh, recorded and put up there for your uh, listening pleasure and you can also feel free to use the uh, the forum page on the website to send us any comments or questions. We we really want to get those comments, and I'm really actually eager to get whatever questions you might have, and we can uh, address those here on the radio program. <coughs> here I said I was getting over that cold, and I'm coughing. Well, I want to begin this uh, afternoon by looking at Luke chapter 9. So I'm going to turn in my Bible. I know you're probably out there driving in your vehicle. I'm going to turn over to Luke chapter 9. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. And I want to read verses 57 to 62. Here uh, the writer Luke says, or writes, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, that is Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. 
But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, Allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Another also said, I will follow you, Lord. But first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, No one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. (coughs) Our society has a fear of commitment. We'd rather bail out than blast through. We'd rather throw in the towel than say... Uh, than stay in the game. And it's easy, really, to waver and waffle and go the way of least resistance in effort. And the reason being is because we fear that ten-letter word that symbolizes accountability, integrity, and discipline. We fear commitment. From month-to-month apartment leases, to month-to-month gym memberships, to uh, job or career hopscotching, from couples just living together to going from partner to partner, from rejecting intimacy or refusing marriage, prenuptial agreements, to seeking separation or divorce, from the necessity of contracts to legal escape clauses, our culture is characterized and really built up into this mindset of having a lack of commitment or a fear of commitment. If you're not sure that our culture has a fear of commitment, I want to read you a few statistics that gives us this idea. Now, this, these are signs of reduced commitments in life, and this actually comes from the year 1990, 25 years ago. And when you hear these, you're going to already know in your mind and suspect that things have already gotten worse. <clears throat> In 1990, the divorce rate was climbing. More than half of all new marriages ended in divorce. Adults felt that they had fewer close friends than uh, did adults in the past decades. Brand loyalty and consumer purchasing studies had dropped in most product categories and by as much as 60% in others. The proportion of people willing to join an organization such as a church Labor union, political party, club, and community association is declining. Book clubs and record clubs are less likely to attract new members when multiple year or multi-product commitments were required. The percentage of adults who sense a duty to fight for their country, regardless of the cause, has greatly dropped. The percentage of people who commit to attend events but fail to show was on the rise, and the parents are less likely to believe that it is important to remain in an unhappy marriage for the sake of the children than they were 20 years ago from 1990. (coughs) Commitment means pledging yourself to a position no matter the price tag. Pledging yourself to a stance no matter what the cost. But if you make the effort to invest in godly commitments, the returns will be awesome. I don't want to be hemmed in, we may say, or I want to keep my options open. We even fear commitment to areas that demand commitment, to make them work from marriage to raising children, deep friendships and discipleships following our Lord Savior. God, though, wants us to make the right commitments in life. 
So he sent Jesus on a great search for people who will make an unwavering commitment to follow him. He wants to change us from fair-weather fans of God to committed followers of Jesus. Now, we're going to be looking through Luke 9 for our points on this today. And in here, Luke introduces three people who wanted to join Jesus on his journey. And he teaches us that being a disciple of Jesus requires a focused commitment. Number one, Jesus addresses, uh, Jesus addresses mere involvement versus real commitment. The first volunteer there in verse 57 of Luke 9 doesn't understand the depth of commitment necessary to following Jesus. The first man in this passage makes a very powerful and profound promise to Jesus that he would follow him wherever he went. I believe that the man was sincere. Uh, he wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to be a part of what Jesus was doing, and he wanted to make a difference. All of these intentions are good things that might motivate some of us uh, to, to have a desire to be involved in the action, but just having the desire is not enough. A desire to serve must also be coupled with the right reason and right motivation for serving. It would seem that the man described here in Luke 9 was willing to be involved with the ministry of Jesus, and there was nothing wrong with that other than the fact that Jesus was looking for something more. He was looking for his full and total commitment. If your desire for material gain is greater than as a greater priority than following Jesus, it will stall out your commitment. <clears throat> the response that Jesus gives there in verse 58 was that a person desiring to follow him must give up what others considered necessities. Remember, let me read that again. <coughs> he said, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man have nowhere to lay his head. What was he getting at? The necessities of life. You have to be willing to uh, deny yourself, to sacrifice, uh, uh, to serve, and uh, suffering was necessary and was going to be part of following Jesus. The sad reality is that most people settle for being involved without ever making a commitment. There is a massive difference between being involved and being committed. Being involved means that you can do whatever you want, and you want uh, as you want, whenever you want, and you, whenever you feel like doing it. But commitment means that you are on the call of Jesus, twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred and sixty-five days a year, to make the decision to consciously or, or unconsciously to just be involved creates a system of falling short. We fall short, or we cheat God by not giving Him our best. We fall short of, uh, of fully offering ourselves, and we cheat ourselves of the blessings of Christ that come only when we become committed. Far too often, we settle for being involved in the work of Christ without actually making a commitment to it. Commitment is what Jesus is looking for in all of our lives. I commend all out there who uh, had the commitment of, of uh, uh, being part of the New Testament church, Although God wants us to have a desire to serve him, not just on Sunday morning or Wednesday nights or Sunday nights, but each and every day that we draw breath. <clears throat> Let, let's, uh, let's use an example, if you will, from uh, the life of the church. 
If you make the decision to show up to the assembly on Sunday morning, and that is the limit of your commitment, you won't grow deep in your walk with God. Why do I say this? Well, it takes commitment to give yourself uh, to give yourself to the work and ministry of Christ, to have a growing relationship with Him. It takes commitment to study and know the Word of God, to become deeper in your walk with Him. It takes a desire to put our priorities in line with God's priorities. This means that He is first and foremost in our life. Anything, anything that comes between you and God or your commitment to God and His kingdom is a stumbling block in your spiritual life. Period. And we need to keep that in our in our minds always. Satan is always going to try to fill you up with other commitments, other obligations that make you move away from the church where you will grow, where you'll get the encouragement that you need to grow. Now next, in our passage in Luke 9, verses 59 and 60, Jesus addresses the problem of misplaced priorities. <coughs> in verse 59, Jesus calls a man with the same words which he called his first disciples. He said, follow me. And what a great blessing it is to hear Jesus call, follow me. He calls him to become part of his inner circle. But the man wanted to be a follower of Jesus on his own terms and in his own time. It is likely the man's father was ready to die. His request was to let him wait just a little while before following Jesus. And the man assumed that commitment to family came before commitment to Jesus. He said he would commit himself fully to Jesus in the future, but he had other pressing obligations in the present. <coughs> the answer that Jesus gave in verse 60 shocked not only the man, but it may shock us as well. I want to read that one again to you. <coughs> so he, he told the man, follow me. And the man said, oh, I, I must go and first bury my father. But he said to him, verse 60, Allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. <clears throat> as important as our commitment to taking care of our family member is, and that is important, it is not as important as our commitment to Jesus. Let the dead bury their own dead implies that the spiritually dead can bury the physically dead. God does not hold us responsible for taking care of the dead, but what? Take care of the living. The point is that proclaiming the kingdom of God is so important that it could not wait. There is nothing wrong with caring for your family because your family is a gift from God and you are instructed by Scripture to take care of them. But Jesus is driving at the issue of priorities in our life. Jesus wants us to make him first in our lives. And no other place will do. A disciple, a follower of Jesus, will make a radical commitment. Commitment to Jesus must take precedent over all earthly commitments. It is because Jesus is all important to life and to the kingdom of God. That following him above any and everyone else is so important. Jesus also wanted the man to understand the urgent nature of his mission. 
He came into this world to save us from the power of sin and death. The mission of the church should be the same, to reach a lost and dying world with the message of the gospel and not to to try to do it with our own flamboyance or or any kind of added things to the assembly because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first, also to the Greek, Romans 1.17. It is the power. That That is it. We don't need to add anything to it. Jesus told us to go and proclaim the good news, nothing else. We don't need specialized programs to excite people. The power of God does that. We don't need instruments up on the stage to make people feel better and and enjoy more the assembly. That's not the purpose of it. The power is in the word. And if people don't plug themselves into power, if preachers don't plug folks into the power and show it to them, they'll never understand how it can change their life. And if they don't want it, they're never going to look into it. It doesn't matter how many programs you add to it, they'll never fully commit themselves until they make that conscious choice to put Christ first. <clears throat> but sometimes, now we get so busy that we never seem to get to the real work of sharing the gospel with others. Jesus wanted the man here in Luke 9 to understand that there was an urgency to winning lost folks. And we need to understand that. If we are truly going to follow Christ, we must get our hands dirty in the work of outreach. There is a lost and dying world out there that needs the hope that we have in Christ. We need to be committed. When we chose (coughs) to be baptized into the body of Christ... We were making a commitment. We looked up at that cross that Christ died on for our sins, and we said, I will follow you, and I'm going to put myself spiritually upon that cross. That is, I'm going to die to self. My spirit will die and go away. That is, everything who I am, I'm putting it off. And I'm going to live as if Christ lives in me. And the more I study God's word on my own, and really get deep into the Word, the more I do that, and more I see the power and the change that uh, infected people in the days of the New Testament and the, the words of Christ and what he said, it'll change me. I'll begin to look more like Christ as long as I continue to die to self and live for him. But it requires, it is imperative that we have a commitment Now, the last point, Jesus next addresses the problem of misdirected focus. There in verses 61 and 62. Hmm. Let me read that again for you. It said, Another also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, No one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. This third scene describes a man who wants to follow Jesus in just a little bit, but not immediately. I'll follow you, Lord, he said, but first, let me take care of, let me go say goodbye to my family. It seems to us really like a reasonable request, right? 
But Jesus searches the heart. He knows the mind. Perhaps he was, the problem was that the man was in danger of returning home for his priorities were not yet established and not turning to the Lord. Knowing that he would fall prey to the fervent and emotional appeal to stay home, Jesus challenges him to full commitment in verse 62. And so Jesus makes a statement that sounds rather harsh when he tells the man that he is not fit to follow him or not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Why does he do this? Well, the first concern in the man's life was that he, he uh, uh, for him, was to go and say goodbye to those. Here you have the Son of God telling you, follow me, and you put him off. Jesus knew there was something deeper here than the request. This man's first commitment was to someone other than Jesus. He understands that the man's request would end in him hanging on to the old life. Our commitment to Jesus means he, Christ, becomes our primary focus. Other loyalties will seek to divide our heart. There, there are always uh, reasons not to follow Jesus. But we must follow him immediately where he leads, even if that means leaving very dear and important people and tasks behind. The words of Jesus underscore the fact that his message of the kingdom of God was more important than anything else, even family members. <coughs> the message of the Messiah cannot wait. Jesus and his message demands total allegiance. The servants of Jesus should not have divided interests like a farmer who begins plowing and looking back. Remember Paul's commitment that he stated in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Imagine what kind of state Paul would be in if he continued to look back at all the different other possibilities or, or things that could have happened. Man, I, I could have been the... the Gamaliel of our age, if I had stayed in the Jewish religion, or man, I can't believe all that I did to the church of God, uh, uh, the killing of Stephen and the killing of others and those I've thrown into And then depression begins to sour and pull down upon him, but he didn't look back. He never forgot what he had done, but he was looking ahead to what was to come. And that is the promise of our Lord. To those who are true and faithful, we will receive the crown of life. Once you make your commitment to Jesus and follow him, don't look back and wonder about what might have been. Many in this world are like this man because they are far too often focused on what they lose by following Jesus. Instead, I believe that we should, be, we should take a careful look at everything we gain by following our Lord and Savior. <clears throat> These exchanges here in Luke chapter 9, verses 58 to 62, these exchanges teach that commitment to Jesus and to the kingdom of God is to be our first priority. If the things and people of earth mean more to us than Jesus, we will find the commitment of discipleship too costly. Interestingly, Luke did not record the outcome of any of these conversations that Jesus has with these three men. I think he didn't because God wants us to give our own answer to Jesus. 
He calls us to commit our lives to him in discipleship. Discipleship means putting your hand to the plow and daily doing the ordinary hard work of ministry. It is in this everyday discipleship that the glory is found. If you spend time with Jesus, you will become like him. Oh, it may not happen quickly, but it will happen with certainty. Jesus is on a search for people who will commit their lives to him. He is on a search for truth seekers. Can he find you among those whose hearts are fully committed to him? Now, why does Jesus call for such a commitment? Because it is impossible to live the Christian life without having a complete commitment to following Christ. It is impossible to be a Christian without dying to self and living for him. So this new year, 2015, is upon us. We're making commitments. We're making priority lists. We're, we're creating our New Year's resolutions. What is your number one priority? If it's not Christ, if he wasn't the number one thing you wrote down on your list, you're in trouble. Many of us know that it's hard to hold to our New Year's resolutions, so maybe we should do this at a monthly pace and not make an overwhelming list, but maybe just two or three things, but always number one. I want to be more like Christ this month. And then your other priorities. But that one always comes first. I want to be more like Christ. And every decision and every thought that enters your mind, you need to be able to bring it into submission to the word of Christ. And thinking, should I do this? Should I say this? Should this be part of my life? Would it be part of his? And you can only know these things. You can only know and understand what Christ wants in your life if you know him. And you can only know him if you read his word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Don't have a fear of commitment, folks. Commit to the Father. Commit yourself to Jesus. Make him king of your life. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Again, I want to thank you for being here and being part of this program. And remember the name of the program, Redeeming the Time. Let us always make the most of the time that our Lord and Savior has given to us this day. Sending up to sweep away till shall dawn the better day. Ring it out, ring it out, ring it out, ring it out. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Ring it out, ring it out, ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.